Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The crap teams keep beating the good teams. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Who's he shouting at? My name is Paul Mitchell. Welcome along to yet another episode. There's been some giant news and plenty of upsets as teams continue to take a tumble. And joining us this evening, back off the subs bench, please welcome his return after we had a fallout about the Niners and we've won ever since. So I'm welcoming him back with open arms. Good evening, Charles Patterson. Good evening. You missed me, clearly. Clearly. Yeah, you know we did. Clearly. I see, I told you, I told you all I needed was a boot up the backside and your team would start doing the business and they have done. Well, thank you. Just needed a wee bit of a... Just yes. a little bit of him. Thank you for giving it to them. Uh, no Gordon McGuinness, he is still in America, so we need a fourth head to make up our quadrant. And uh, we're delighted to welcome to the podcast for the first time ever. I'll let you ream off the teams. We'll touch on it that you've played for, but please welcome to the NFL Scotland podcast, Craig Easton. Good evening, sir. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Now, Dungeon United, obviously, most people will yeah. associate, but there's quite a few teams after that as well. Dungeon United, where you did an awful lot of your good work. Scotland under-21 as well. Where other than United did you enjoy playing, though? Uh, well, went down south, went down to Leighton Orient. I uh, had a couple of seasons down there, which was probably um, my most successful spell. We went and um, we got promotion in the first season into, into League One and um, had a good cup run, FA Cup run. So that kind of sticks in my mind that season. Really enjoyed it. Um, and it was a, it was good being down in England. It was something different. Uh, and I really, you know, it was it was one of those ones I wanted to always go down to England and see see what it was like. Absolutely. Playing in the capital, always a good thing, no matter which country yeah. you're in. So um, definitely worthwhile. Now, Paul, we always ask the same few questions to new guests on the podcast. So I'll let you take over from here. Indeed, it's great to see you, Craig. Thanks for joining us. First of all, which NFL team do you pledge your allegiance to? Miami Dolphins, for my sins. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, well, we, you can't have everything <laughs> Listen, in life. We're, we're, we're three in a row. We're taking that. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the positive. <laughs> guys. I it's straws here. Goodness right. No, I like that. So, so how, how did you get into the NFL, Craig? Back in the nineties, it was all it was about Dan Marino. It was um, myself and my brother used to watch it. I think it was Channel Four. It used to be on. Um, the coverage, you know, was was brilliant. So me and my brother got into it. I was Dolphins. He was Cowboys. I think it was always like the British supporters went for Dolphins, Cowboys, Bears, 49ers. I think that was like the the big four teams back then. And, and I just loved I loved Marino. I thought it was unbelievable. What a player! Um, and I said too many times it was the best quarterback never to win a Super Bowl, but. Honestly, it was it was a joy to watch him, and we used to play it. Me and my brother used to when the, when the football when it was. In fact, we used to play it in the snow when the when the snow got too deep to play football. We played American football, and we used to beat each other up and beat our neighbours up and stuff like that. So it was it was good fun. Brilliant. Now you, you're now eligible to join the NFL Scotland alumni team. What position can we slot you into? Well, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. I'd love to be a quarterback. Um, to be honest, I've seen it. I, I've got a bit of a cannon, Cameron. So um, <laughs> I think I could. Uh, I think I could maybe. You know, I think I could maybe get a first down. 
with, with the right setup, with the right personnel. Absolutely, don't doubt it in the slightest. You know, I think so. I can step back from duties as quarterback, which I'm relieved to do. You know, someone with a sporting <laughs> pedigree is definitely going to do better. Let's make no mistake. But when we get, get that five-a-side flag can... team together, we've got Easton, Craig the Cannon Easton in at quarterback <laughs> to start the season. You could be, a, you could be his wide receiver, Cameron. I've, wide, I've got the wide part of that sorted. I'm not sure about receiving just yet. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe um, Mike Gasicki's been, you know, going up and getting some of those uh, with, with the one-handed catches. I think I would maybe, maybe, maybe throw to the big man and see, see, see if he can go up and bring something down for me. I can totally empathise with you being um, <laughs> the quarterback um, and supporting the team because they had an amazing quarterback. And because that's what I did with the, the Packers when I watched Brett Favre. But why have Miami not had a quarterback since Dan Marino? I don't know. Well, well, we had one, and he's now he's now ripping it up for the Titans. Maybe not this weekend, but I mean, Ryan Tannehill was there under Adam Gase. Um, Were you a believer in Ryan Tannehill? Not at the time. No, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> I know what you're saying. But I mean, in in the right scheme, in the in the right system. The right coach, maybe. Um, <laughs> without Adam Gase. That's what you're trying to say. So without Adam well, Gase, Ryan Tannehill could have been a factor in Miami. I think a few people can say that, I suppose. <laughs> but um, no, listen, let's be serious. I'm five foot ten. I'm, I'm lucky if I'm 73 kilos. I'm, I'm, I'm getting killed. <laughs> My whole life's but I would, I would say if it wasn't a quarterback, Cameron, and if you ended up wanting to take that position, I think uh, a safety. Um, because... Trying to lead the game, I was a centre midfielder at football. Um, I felt like it was not bad reader of the game. I like how they lead the game. They see things. They can they can maybe come up the line of scrimmage and have a have a tackle and you know stop run block as well. And and, and it's like I loved a tackle and I played as well. So I would, I would like to hit somebody as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> Craig, it's interesting what you say. I mean, as a professional footballer. You know, you see the game in a different light to, to many of us who simply watch it and commentate on it. Do you apply that to other sports? You know, you think you could get into the nuts and bolts of that? I try with this. This is, you know, I think there's so many details, so many nuances that it's it, you're learning all the time. You you learn every time you're watching it. And it, you learn the same with football, but, you know, with, with the NFL, you're watching it and you're learning something every time you see it. Um I, I think I can see the game pretty well, but I mean, um, these these head coaches, these offensive coordinators, defensive, their brains must be going like I can't. I, I mean, I I didn't used to stop thinking. You know, I'm I'm a coach. I don't stop thinking about it. These guys must be up all night. You know, it's 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 wild the amount of information they've got to um, process in a short space of time. What do you think? Football can learn from the NFL. I, I've I've asked loads of footballers this who are into mm-hmm. it. But from your perspective as a coach and a former player, what do you think footballers in this country, for example, could yeah. learn from watching the NFL and the coaches involved? The, 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 the most obvious thing to say is set pieces, um, mm. because it, basically every play is a set piece. Every you know, it's a set piece every every time you set up. Um, but I, I actually think it's the sacrifice. I think it's the the team spirit that if someone doesn't do their job right. And 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 this sport and and NFL, they're, they're getting hurt. You know, they could. You know, you're getting if someone's not walking properly. If someone's not, um, you know, doing their job, it's uh, you know, you know, it impacts 
straight away, listen, the same happens in football, but maybe not to sit. So I would kind of, I used to say that to the guys that I coached, I used to use sometimes um, American football as, as, as an example of, look, these guys don't even touch a ball. They don't even get near the ball half of them. But look how important they are to the overall team, to the to the win, to the to, to the result. Um, I think that's something you can take up, take from it. We'll get into the content then as we look back at week 11 and what was, I said at the top there, the crap teams keep beating the good teams. Uh, It's been a theme throughout what has been an utterly bizarre season so far. Uh, And this week was no different. So we'll kick off by going through our weekly nominations as we've been doing, reading through some of the suggestions that have been put in. Continue to send them in. We absolutely love hearing them. As we said on Twitter, we've now given away more than half of the the regular season bottles of whiskey that we've got available. Still plenty to be won, so make sure that you get your submission in every single week. And there's quite a few nominations. Now, I will start by saying more than half are for the same person, and you can imagine who that is. So we'll come back around to that, uh, and we'll go through some of the other names. Stephen Bryson kicks us off by suggesting Ben Roethlisberger. He says, yep, someone else is going to win this week, but after not practicing after a week of COVID and only confirming you were playing late on Saturday, he played as well as he had done all season and almost led the Steelers back into the game. Showed he still has something left, a heroic effort. Couple of nominations for Chris Jones from Ross Sterling, John Blair. Uh, Ross Sterling says, Chiefs D was a laughingstock early the season, but... Jones chucked the O-line around like it was an empty trackie. Supposedly one of the best O-lines in the league, and Jones was living in their backfield. Um, Johnny Bailey gives one to the Houston Texans. Huge upset by the Texans after eight losses in a row, beating the Titans away. Um, Credit to the Texans. Absolute credit to the Texans. And I'd also the kilted Texan, a guy from up near Aberdeen who, you know, if you've followed NFL UK on social media and stuff like that, you will see his man cave. He was at the game in Tennessee, sitting in the absolute pissing rain with his poncho on, loving every second of it. So delighted for him to be able to go over there uh, and see his team win. Uh, A couple of other nominations here. There's a couple here for uh, Justin Jefferson. 8 out of 10 receptions for 169 yards and 2 touchdowns. Outstanding performance, getting the win, especially against the Packers defense that the last few weeks put a stop to everyone. Then there are, let's see, uh, Patrick Watson gives one for Taysom Hill's agent. Whatever commission Taysom Hill's <laughs> agent is getting, it's not enough. Hill must be Sean Payton's love child to keep getting these lucrative deals. <laughs> I, th- I thought Paul was Taysom Hill's agent, <laughs> given how much he uh, bigs him up every week. <laughs> Taysom Hill's wonderful. Taysom Hill's wonderful. What's your thoughts on the deal? That's a lot of money. Four years. Taysom Hill, is it not? He's worth it. If they use him properly, he's worth it. I think that, you know, it's basic bottom line. There's not many players in the league that can do what Taysom Hill can do. Therefore, you pony up the cash, you get him there. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Okay, fair enough. Um, There is... Can I nominate you? No, nomin- uh, this isn't the ball bag part. Um, <laughs> so there's a nomination. Oh, 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 are, you in- are you not thinking I might want to nominate you for the belter? It's- <laughs> Go for it. Okay. No, I don't. Right, right. <laughs> Dean Williamson says Melanie Collins. A flooded kitchen on Saturday morning is far from ideal. However, to then spend the remainder of my day watching Rangers get spanked in the cup and then the Bills' calamitous display against a typically mediocre Colts would have been enough to have me heading off to a cliff. However, the lovely Melanie Collins on the sideline throughout the game was enough to ensure my Sunday ended on a bright note. Fair enough. 
Well, you got to take what you got to take out of the games, right? Um, Matt Judon gets one. Uh, may have happened on Thursday, but the patch shutout win against uh, the patch shutout win was a huge victory for a growing defense led by a rejuvenated Matt Judon. The former Raven has been vital under Bill Belichick's old school, new school unit with three tackles and a sack. The number nine is all over the pitch, influenced the game. Now, at ten and a half sacks for the year, the third highest. The linebacker is having a career best year in Foxborough. Beyond that, every other nomination is for Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, absolutely sensational week. Let's be perfectly honest. Not uh, Sean Breen says it best. Not only did he run all over the Bills, accumulating almost 200 scrimmage yards and five touchdowns, he, almost, he also took the lead for the NFL top rusher and most touchdowns this season. Pretty good week. Well, it was all right. I mean, Kamara scored six last season, let's be honest. I mean... Do you really get that excited about five? Hey, well, to be honest, yes, because he wasn't my fancy team. So, <laughs> hey, he was, he was excellent, but he was part of an excellent game plan. So, I think you got to credit the, the the Colts' game plan. They were also playing a team that's on the slide. Buffalo are in all sorts of bother offensively. Um, however, they did going into the week have the best defense in the league. So. It, it, I think it, it's a classic case of matchups, of situational football and matchups. The two teams met in the playoffs last season, and Indianapolis were not favoured at all. And they ran Buffalo really, really close in the playoffs. Um, and you got, and that was with Philip Rivers under centre, who could barely move an inch. And you could argue that they're better now because Taylor is better. That offensive line is healthier. And so I'm not sure that the result was massively a, as much of a surprise. The way in which they did it, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, he's he's got full credit there. I would give it to Houston because they're not going to win anything else this season. <laughs> and nobody saw that coming at all. Nobody had an iota. I think they, they must have been a massive amount on the spread to win and to win in the way that they did. So I don't know. Jonathan Taylor probably should get it, but I'd give it to Houston. The, the Texans, <laughs> the Texans are playing the Jets this weekend, right? Their season's not finished yet, so you know they might get two wins on a trot. Let's save them for next week. I, I don't think you can, I don't think you can give it to anyone other than Taylor because you're right. Like the game plan worked; it was sensational. But he did what he needed to do, and he did it with a plum. Um, he bulldozed his way through that line all day long, and he never stopped. He just never stopped. But he's been doing it. Week after week after week, solid, brilliant performances. This was just absolutely up there as a sensational one. Eckler went out and did four touchdowns. Not often you go and score four touchdowns for your team and not even be in the conversation because some guy's just done what Taylor did. So I'm, I'm opening this up to hear anyone else that we think should be nominated. But I, I'll be honest, I'm pretty firm that it, it needs to be Taylor. I like Chris Jones this weekend. I, th- I watched that game and I thought he was, I thought he was excellent. Him and I thought Frank Clark sort of the two of them um sort of working in tandem and, and it was ended up that Jones got the sacks and he, you know he's he was a bit aggrieved not to have to be only given three and a half uh, and, and not the four um which probably should have to be fair but um I think that whole defensive unit um from the Chiefs turned up um and then what maybe the same as, as, as what you guys were saying it was it was a good I think it ended up a good matchup for the Chiefs against the Cowboys. Um, especially with the Cowboys missing a couple of couple of, couple of players, and I think I think they just I think Spagnuolo just he, he just dialed up at the right the right 
the right the right defense at the right time, and it was and Jones was a star. He is yeah. um, missing, so I'm going to have a pop at him, seeing as he's not here. But I have a message from uh, Gordon McGuinness from three weeks ago saying they're still not very good. What? No, he clearly <laughs> he clearly misread that one, and I I did send a message saying, "Is this still a thing?" By the way, Gordon. Yes, I think so. They are better, but they're still not very good. So, I, my question to you, the three of you, is: Is Gordon wrong? And does that mean that Jordan Love actually did okay? <laughs> oh, uh, what? Take, That's a reach. You, no, no. <laughs> you're taking that way too far. Okay, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's not go there. Um, I, I just just the pictures of Gordon sweating buckets as the Ravens took forever to beat the Bears the other day. You're having a go intrigued. about that as well. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not surprised. There's been a number of upsets. So we talk about talk about the Texans so the question is for Craig Craig when when you're a you're a professional sports player it's very hard to perform at the top level every week is one of the things possibly subconsciously that the Titans just took the Texans for granted you know it's a long hard season and I don't say they they didn't go out prepared but sometimes I just think as a sportsman you you're quite in it because you think this is going to be too easy is that fair I think that's fair but I think you look at the season as a whole I think there has been there's been at least one game, two games that every team swept up, and I think the only team that's probably not not made that mistake is the Cardinals, where um, the game they did get beat with, with, with Colt McCoy um, was probably, you know, it was it was just one of those games. It wasn't. But I think everyone's had a had a stinker at some point. I think that's probably theirs out, and, and Mike Gray will be in saying that's ours. That's ours for the season. Let's move on because he's the kind of coach that. You know, he would have been absolutely devastated with that one, um, especially the run the Titans were on. That was, it wasn't just that the Texans winning after being so bad, it's the Titans were actually, I would say, one of the top teams, probably if not the top team, uh, forum team. Um, and it, no, no one saw it coming. So sometimes maybe maybe you do get a wee bit complacent. I think I'm, I've not watched the listen, I've not watched the full game through, but. Um, that might have been a factor, Paul. I think it does happen. It does happen. We, we, we go into games against lesser opponents. Cowden Beath, the, the team that you know I was at most recently, we, we got beat from the junior team. And all right, we were on a bad run, run of form, but um, civil service roles turned up, wanted it more, more energy. Listen, if you want it more in the NFL, there's a lot of times you're going to win it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the weather in Nashville was quite wild as well. I'll be honest, I, I've, from a fantasy point of view, I've got AJ Brown in one of my teams. I was sitting looking at it, looking at the rain forecast and so much rain and thought, uh, without the run game, are the Titans looking a little bit lost? And I wonder whether how much that forced Tannehill to do a lot more throwing than he's used to. Uh, the Texans were able to just utilize it on the defensive point of view. That puts them There was four interceptions. There was, yeah. there was four interceptions, but part of that was because I think he got to the stage where he was having to throw it. There was a horrible mistake on the punt, um, and I can't remember the name of the uh, punt returner now, but, you know, he just turned his back on the ball, it hits off his leg, and then the Texans are on top of it, uh, and right away you've got that, you know, you've got that position right in the red zone. So it was stupid mistakes, uh, it was sloppy, I think the conditions definitely played a part, but the Texans have... It's... <laughs> They've got that point to prove, right? You get slammed and you get slated and you get told you're crap. And do you know what? You, you do one of two things. You either accept it that you're crap and you play crap or you go, do you know what? I'm not. I'm better than that and I'm going to show you I'm better than that. Um, 
The Texans are cutting I people. Think, uh, There's people playing for their jobs now. So this is their opportunity to say, I'm worth keeping around this place because they can't get rid of everybody. I, I think you've got to look at Tennessee, though. Tennessee were missing Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. That's their three. That's their offense. So when they lost to the Jets, don't forget they lost to the Jets as yeah. well. So they've lost to two of the three worst teams in the league. And yet they are still in the mix for a number one seat. <laughs> they lost the Jets and they had no receivers. And we said at the time, oh, it's fine. It's just because they didn't have an offense. Clearly, when they don't have their key pieces, they are nothing more than an ordinary team. And I would fully expect them if they do get these players back in January when they're in the playoffs, because they'll get to the playoffs. They should. I don't see any reason why they won't get to the playoffs. That they'll be more than a match for any any team in in, in the in in the AFC. But what we know is that it is the classic any given Sunday. There is so much parity in the league. Um, unless you're Detroit, then you're you're guaranteed you're going to pick somebody off at some point. So it, it, I've never seen it, though, quite as fluid as it has been. And I don't think that... I think we sit here seven weeks out from the playoffs. I don't think we can pick who's going to be in the Super Bowl at the moment because it could be any one of about 20 teams. Right. Um, Belter of the week. It's got to be Jonathan Taylor, right? Have we got any strong objections to it being... I think Chris Jones definitely gets a, a nod. Mm. Um, I think that Austin Eckler gets a little nod because it was a tremendous performance. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson had a great day, but ultimately, nah, let's let's raise a dram to Jonathan Taylor because you are the Loch Lomond belter of the week. Straight into the ball bag conversation then. And actually, again, I think for me, there's one clear winner here, but we'll, uh, we'll go through the nominations nonetheless. Um, Johnny Bailey gives it to all kickers. Too many missed field goals and extra points to mention. Cameron and Paul could have new careers as NFL kickers. Now, we've proven that that's definitely not going to happen. Uh, Jamie Borthwick is the NFL Scotland podcast kicker, so we're not taking his uh, job off him. Steve Briggs, and this is a talking point. Uh, Bears ownership. They sacked a winning coach in Lovey Smith and hired Tressman, Fox and Nagy, proving they are totally incapable of finding a head coach. They've cocked up every quarterback decision since McMahon and put out woeful O-lines for about as long. We're up against a salary cap, wasting millions on the likes of Jimmy Graham while letting good young players leave. But most of all, they haven't got the guts to sack Phillips, Pace, Nagy, and will let this sorry shit show of a season fester until the end. Bet I love everyone, that nomination. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Last line is simply, bet everyone's really looking forward to the early games on Thanksgiving. Because, uh, yeah, oh. Bears-Lions, holy crap. Um, yeah. Have your food early this year, folks. Woofed. I no, no. I'm sorry. I can't wait for this game. I think this is a brilliant game, and I'm not I think having it's all be this great negativity. Too. <laughs> Nagy is fighting for his his job. There is utterly no doubt about it. If he leaves Detroit with a loss, he ain't going back to Chicago. There ain't no point in that. I think that's fascinating. Dan Campbell knows that he can get another coach sacked. He will have the lines. He will be biting kneecaps <laughs> all the way through. I think this is a fascinating uh, lineup. And we'll come on to Bobag, but I would like just a, a general Bobag nomination for people who think should the Lions and the Cowboys play every year on Thanksgiving? Yes, it's called tradition. That's what happens. Get over it. Nobody forces you to sit and watch it. <laughs> Bobags. At, at some point, though. If you're the Detroit Lions, surely you renege that tradition when you are that shit year after year. At some point, you're gonna you're gonna forfeit that right. 
well, you might, but it's so just, they're just a, they're not even. A, it's like watching like the like the Harlem Globetrotters from nineteen eighty two. They're they're yeah, but, done. <laughs> but it's it's tradition to have yeah. turkey on Thanksgiving, and the lions hey. are the turkey. Works for me. <laughs> Let, let's get over that. Anybody else suggesting that it shouldn't be them? No, that that's history and tradition. It give, gives them a weekend off as well. So, uh, but I'll be interested, Cameron, to see who is the, the Bob Bag nomination. I think it's there's just a clear winner. Yeah, I, I think there is as well. Uh, the Bears ownership is definitely up there. Interested in see what happens with Nagy. The Buffalo Bills get a couple of nominations from Martin Blair, Phil Spears. Phil gives me <laughs> a bit of a rant as well. So the Bowfin Buffalo Bills. I should have known I'm Scottish. It's the hope that kills. After years of misery, I bought into the narrative of hope again, only to have that door slammed in my face with the power of a faulty nuclear reactor. How can a, quote, contender's O-line be so reliant on a rookie? The loss of star was mighty too. No ability to create run gaps, protect Josh, who, uh, who pushed it too much again. The much-celebrated D, fuck me, five touchdowns to one man. You know he's running. It's the game plan. Go man coverage and stuff the box. Or at least try something different. What's the definition of insanity again? Just all-round shitey performance. To add insult to injury, bloody New England are looking good. McDermott and co. Sort it. Sort it now. You are the new Mr. Angry for the for the 21st century. Oh, Steve Wright in the afternoon, Mr. Angry. <laughs> you are the new Mr. Angry. It's one of, nobody does anger quite like you. It's, it's great. It's passion. I like it. <laughs> I would um, be quite happy to back up that Chicago Bears nomination. I have to give a nomination, though, and I've mentioned this off offline, and I'm now mentioning it online. Right, get yours out of the to way, Ka- and we'll to get Cameron. the list. <laughs> yeah. No, well, no, I think this is absolutely, totally justifiable for you to be nominated as a ball bag for not not giving the ball bag award last week to Russell Wilson. <laughs> I think that's terrible. <laughs> absolutely disgraceful. Yeah. He is... Your nemesis on this podcast, he has been for a number of years. You clearly have a major problem with him, perhaps because the Seahawks continuously continuously beat the Niners. Let me finish. And then you had the perfect opportunity last week to give him the ball bag trophy, and you choked. Not only that, you then the Seahawks to beat the Cardinals at the weekend in the Pick'em, which was, of course, a completely idiotic decision because the Seahawks are crap. They're terrible. They're awful. You have an absolute open goal and you miss it. Ball bag, absolutely. And even Gordon agrees with me. And we never agree on anything. There is very little glory to be taken in the cheap shots, is how I view these things. And it was too easy to give it to Wilson last time around. I did have McGuinness in my ear going, oh, you hit the Seahawks. Just as much as you've just accused me off there that I've got an issue with Wilson. I've got no issue with Wilson. Wilson could be a ball bag without me having any pre-misconceptions of what he's all about. Terrible. The guy's a walk-in ball bag, but that's fine. Do you know what? I thought, that's give him just a week off. Poor man's Revisionist. Revisionist pish. Absolutely. The the poor man has had the worst injury of his life with a slightly gammy finger. I mean, we have to think about Russell at this difficult time. Just put up a zero against the Packers. Christ. Just lost to Colt McCoy, much like my Niners did. So I can feel that pain. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Wilson deserves it, but uh, I give him a pass. uh, See see what... See what we've got to put up with, Craig. You know, this is what we've got to... You know what? I'm going to jump in here with one that is. I think the, the officials in the Chiefs and Cowboys game were horrendous. They almost yeah. ruined a, 
I'm not saying it was a great game, but it, it was a it was a tight game. It was it was it was good defensive game. Um, and the officials were. Or I thought they were. I thought they were t- I think officiating this season has been really poor. Um, I think they've been the the, the talking point uh, too much. Um, and and I think that game almost got spoiled by them. Yes. Yeah, indeed. I think there the, the, there was a couple other games where I actually thought the officials did okay because they picked okay. up flags that were thrown. You know, because sometimes you know there was one I right. think in the the Chargers game. But but I'm with you. Some of the some of the calls have been mysterious, um, and in, even some of the replay calls have been mysterious as well. And the, the, I think there was to me yeah. that's worse. But I think there was one Paul in the in the game where there was a taunting called. Um, Against, I think I can't remember who it was for against one of the Chiefs players, but he'd actually he'd been it was a face mask, it, but yeah. the, the flag got thrown for the taunting. He didn't spot the face mask by the way. He had a hold of it for about four seconds on the way to the ground, and he still kept hold of it. In fact, he ripped the helmet off. The guy he, he got <laughs> his helmet ripped. I can't remember who it was. MD, MD remember? It was the punt he return. It, it was the punt return, uh, and it was right. the two of them got into a battle on the side and right, on the side down. Line. And when yeah. his helmet came off, he kind of pointed at him and laughed. And nothing right. happened to so face mask. He did. No, listen, Cameron, he, he did. A, he ended up with a, a, he, he did, he did a rifle or something as well. He, he, took, he, did get, he did take it too far. And listen, I, I'm, I think they're taking the, ta- the taunting calls too far, but it, you know, it was a wee bit. But he, they didn't spot the face mask and they had to then go and look at it again. And, and they got that wrong because you're like, I'm not like, you shouldn't be looking at that one. They offset the, you know, they, they offset the penalties, but. Mm-hmm. They weren't even meant to be looking at that the, the, the face mark. That that shouldn't have come into play there. I and mean, that I thought that was just a horrendous all round. You get sense that there could be a serious review of officiating across the board in the off season because we've been talking about it every other week. And it's not just us chatting about it and moaning about it. I think the American sports sports networks have been gassing on about it and the players seem to be fed up. So I think there's going to be a review of a lot of things. I mean, they obviously quite often trial Things such as remember the pass interference was a was a TV review one year, um, which was obviously Paul's favourite mm. thing uh, after the uh, after that uh, championship game. And you know you have to credit the NFL that they do look at things and they do trial things. But I'll, I think you've got to get back to basics with common sense, ultimately with something. And there's a lot of lack of common sense. We see it in Scottish football sometimes. We're seeing it in the NFL a lot this season. Well, funnily enough that you say this, I'm going to bring this up because I feel like I have to, and I'm in charge of the of editing this. So, yeah, my prerogative, right? NFL taunting rule gets a couple of nominations. First, Brian Milne says, the final shot was Clyde edwards Alaire uh, called out for supposedly pointing at a cowboy. He could have been pointing at his granny in the stands. Now, he was clearly pointing at a cowboy, but it's not really that taunty, is it? Uh, the other one, though, that we got was Patrick Wilson, more taunting pish. It's not very often that Scottish football and the NFL are both equally good at something, but they've managed it with their inept refereeing. By the way, Bobby Madden is also a ballbag. Sorry, just needed to get that off my chest. Now, Craig Easton, who played for Dungeon United, Paul Mitchell, who was at Tanadice at the weekend. What's the Ojo thing all about? Paul you know what that? <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was one of the hardest things I've covered in a long time because not only did Ojo get pushed, he then got the yellow card. Fighting started in the stands. Bobby Madden actually restarted the game. I'm trying to watch the police. I'm trying to watch the fan who pushed Ojo. I'm trying to watch the game. Um, it it was, you know, sometimes players don't help themselves. Um, you know, Callum Butcher sucker punched. 
Christian Ramirez, and it was spotted. Uh, John Rankin was alongside me, and he spotted that immediately. So sometimes players do daft things, and others, they just get... They get on the wrong end of decisions, you know. I the guy Ryan Edwards had got hold of Funso Ojo, had brought him back on the field. They were talking, they were clearly communicating. There was no problem, and Bobby Madden should have taken that as a sign. Look, you know, done. He's diffused the situation. There was no need for the yellow card. Now, by the letter of the law, I actually think Bobby Madden's right. The player left the field to play. He engaged with the fans. Rightly, or you know, however you want to look at it. So I think he actually got the the caution correct. But when he gets it wrong, his common sense should tell you, you don't do that. There's not a single Dundee United player, in my opinion, wouldn't have batted an eyelid if Ojo had stayed on the field. Now that's how I see it. Craig. I agree with that, Paul. I, th- I think he's, and I think uh, James McFadden made a good point that his momentum actually carried him up there. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like he's jumped a horde and he's went and he's, you know, like. It, it was it was momentum and it, and it happened that the lad he he approached him. You're right, Bobby Madden's probably looking at it going, I'm getting I'm getting assessed here. There's an assessor in the stand. He's going to probably I'm I'm getting pulled off. I don't I, I don't book the guy, which he ha, he, he he has probably done the right thing. But at, at the same time, the common sense thing comes into play, and it shouldn't it shouldn't be a book sure that it should just be look. The, the, the fan need, and, and Dundee United are dealing with the fan and have dealt with the fan already, which is the right thing to do. But um, you know, it, it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been a red card. Like you said, Dundee United wouldn't have had any um, objections to that at all. In fact, they'd have been a wee bit embarrassed by that. I think as well. You know, one of their fans pushing like that. It wasn't wasn't very wasn't a good wasn't a good look at all. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Right, that's enough Scottish football pish. We'll get on to yeah. the American stuff. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill gets a couple. We already talked about his four nominations. Donald McLeod, James Whitson, Sean Breen, Kenny Law, all given him. The Falcons get a hard time. Brian Dando sums it up. Zero points, zero clue what's going on with them as a franchise. Uh, not a particularly good week. The Ken Kerr gives it to the New York Giants O-line. They were a wet tissue against the Bronx front abject as much as jones is struggling this o-line is in danger of making a david carr out of his career he'll never get past the horrible habit of looking onto his first read while playing behind uh, a bunch of turnstiles um now obviously it brings us on to a little bit of breaking news because jason garrett has finally been sacked from the new york giants hurrah say giants fans across the land Freddie Kitchens takes over. We've seen before that Freddie Kitchens ain't bad when he has to take over halfway through the season. So, you know, Daniel Jones will be hoping that he can bring a bit of something to the offense because it has been absolutely rank rotten, right? It's, uh, so Cameron- I think Joe Judge is, is, is trying to protect his ticket here because there's been, if you read some of the New York press, they are lining up. They are lining up for the head coach. New York press is always thinking- lining up. <laughs> yeah, but so, I, yeah. so the, the New York Post headline, so the Giants, Support card. Bad, bad, bad. That was the headline. Someone has to answer for this embarrassing Giants product. And the third headline, Angry Joe Judge finally had enough of Jason Garrett's anemic Giants offense. Now, in the first half of the game, uh, the Monday Night Football booth were praising Jason Garrett for all the different looks that he was managing to put out and put uh, Tampa Bay under pressure. And I only got halfway through the game before somebody spoiled it and told me the score, um, which was a little bit annoying. But it's interesting that 
so I didn't see the second half, so I don't know how, how bad it actually got. Um, but Joe Judge didn't hold back. Now, interestingly, he's not the only one that's done that this week. You could argue that Mike Tomlin's thrown Keith Butler under the bus as well, the defensive coordinator uh, of Pittsburgh. Now, it was one broken play, arguably. Um, if they'd had Fitzpatrick in there, they wouldn't have done for the go-ahead touchdown. But it is interesting... You know, I could understand Joe Judge doing it because that's his job and it's jobs on the line. So he's got rid of somebody that's causing a problem. I was a bit more surprised at Mike Tomlin. He doesn't normally he doesn't normally throw coaches under. Yeah, indeed. Um, so the other nomination that I'm going to touch on before we come to the viewpoint is there's quite a few nominations. I think there's six in total for Cam Hayward uh, talking about the Steelers defense. Um I think that Ross Sterling, you know, he says for his punch on Herbert whilst he was on the ground, then blaming slow-mo for making it look worse. Eh, no, you dick. You punched him in the gut and you should have been chucked out the game. Chris Breen says simply, every other answer is wrong, I'm afraid. Just the fact he needlessly gut-punched Herbert, but his absolute bullshit explanation when he got his hand stuck <laughs> under him, he rolled him over and punched him. Complete dick. An utter ball baggery. Gentlemen, who are your ball bag nominations for this week? Well, to me, Cameron, there is only one, and that's Kaiser White for his hit on uh, Harris. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. He came across and actually tattooed him with his elbow in the head, and it wasn't called. Just coming on, you know, what Craig was talking about, it was one of the most obvious, you know, personal fouls, call it what you will. Uh, you know, Harris you know, had to go through concussion protocol and they missed out on the field. It was, it looked, it looked deliberate. It looked brutal. Um, so he's a ball bag for, for doing that. I thought it was appalling and the referees were worse for missing it. I'm never going to miss a trick giving it to Chicago, to be honest. Actually, I would, I would get, I would quite happily um, throw it towards Atlanta as well for an absolute no-show on Thursday night. The, um, the the whole Rosen and I can't even remember who came in after him, but the, the I, very quick <laughs> interceptions. I was like, oh man, that's just absolutely grim, abysmal, grim, abysmal, abysmal. I mean, I don't know what to make of that team, but no, I'd give it Chicago any day of the week. I'd I'd pay money for Chicago to have it, <laughs> especially Matt Nagy, who's a balloon. Now, so. Gordon McGinnis did want you to get one because you were hoping that the the Bears would win just to beat his Ravens. But I, I, well, I won both ways. I won yeah, both ways. Uh, if, if Baltimore had if Baltimore had lost, I would have been able to rip Gordon the next time we see him. If <laughs> Chicago lose, every, every day is a good day as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Craig, was there anyone stood out for you as the ball bag this week? There was nobody really stood out. I think I was I was I was more annoyed at the officiating. I think that would that would have been my call. Um, so yeah, that that would have been my shout for that. The the only the other one that I'm going to put forward and actually was nominated by Ross Black. Now that I look at it, was Jonah Jackson of the Lions. So he got done for an unsportsmanlike penalty, um, and. Lions head coach Dan Campbell had asked what happened to draw the flag and the officials the officials informed them it was something to do with somebody's mother which is like how old are you like what do you mean getting flagged because you said something nasty about someone's mum on the field like what's that that's just an absolute shamble uh, it cost Detroit vital yards pushed them back into their own half ending their chance to kick a field goal in a game that they lost by a field goal um, that's pretty much ball bag behavior. I, I think the Cam Hayward yes. ones, the Cam Hayward one's definitely a good one. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but he definitely takes what looks like a, a very nasty cheap shot uh, and punching on a quarterback. Like, 
Yeah. There is a lot. Of, how, how do you decide this? There's four of us. Right, okay. Um, I haven't seen the, the Kaiser White hit, I'll be honest. So... Well, I mean, I'm just looking at the, just calling it up here. I mean, it's making the headlines, particularly in in Pittsburgh. You know, they felt it was a dirty hit. Harris is such an important player uh, to them. And he's already been in concussion once this season as well. So, I mean, I'm, it just looked awful. It looked really, really awful. And, you know, again, as Craig mentioned, the officials missed it. It looked so obvious, yet the officials couldn't so, spot that. Do you know what they missed? They missed Hayward. They missed your one. They got a lot wrong. There was more bad taunting calls. Mm. Yeah, do you know what? It's not for the first time, but Easton's one, one for one, one here. Yes. Um, <laughs> the you entire, can come back. The entire NFL officiating team and Bobby Madden just yeah. for good luck. You are the Bobag's Bobag of yes. the week. Nice one. Bobby Madden. Dear me. <laughs> I, <laughs> You'll be wondering how you got dragged into this. <laughs> I'm, I'm disassociating myself with that just in case. Yeah, uh, I would like to express that the views of the NFL Scotland podcast are mine and mine alone. <laughs> and none of none of the other people on this show have got any responsibility to me throwing Bobby Madden's Thanks, name in there. Uh, yeah, I, I never mentioned it. I don't work in Scottish football. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Right. Um Okay, on to week 12 then. This is Thanksgiving week. Traditionally, where we've got three cracker games lined up on a Thursday night. And we've talked about Bears, Lions, fine. It's interesting for all the wrong reasons. I'm not sure we're getting much out of the other two either, to be perfectly honest. I I don't know. I think they're quite... I was just looking at the schedule. This week, there's some absolutely brilliant games. Brilliant games. Actually, the the Raiders... Well, no, I think the Raiders-Cowboys game is a good game because the Raiders are in desperate need of a win. They're still in the playoff hunt. And they were, they were, you know, they've lost three in, the, three in the spin. If the Raiders want to get to the playoffs, they've got, to, they've got to win in Dallas. And then you've got two teams in the late game uh, in Buffalo who are in all sorts of bother against the Saints who um, I wonder whether or not they would be considering making a change at quarterback. Um, and again, two teams who weren't in the playoff picture until last week and suddenly you think well hang on this is your season here these are all fork in the road games and looking further down the schedule there's more but the first the, the, the late two games on thursday night are big games dallas need to win to kind of keep in the running for the the seedings in the nfc yeah. and the raiders have got to win just to stay in the picture and then the other two in, on the, in, the, in the late game buffalo don't win buffalo are in big big trouble because new england are flying I think I think Dallas need to get like I I don't know what the um, what Amari Cooper's health or, or injury injury protocol moment. Eddie Lamb's going to have concussion protocol probably. He'll he'll get checked. Um, I don't know. I, I think you take the, those two out of the equation. You look at how I think the Raiders will be looking at how the Chiefs set up. It was like so. You take them out of the equation. You force that to maybe. Th- if he's going to throw, he's going to throw to, you know, guys that Gallop. are second. For, exactly. Nah. So you've got Gallup, you've got other, you know, the, you're, you're, you're down the depth chart there. So you give it to Zeke, they stop the run. I mean, I thought the Chiefs, they, they brought, you know, they brought Tyron Matthew up to the line of scrimmage. all wanted to blitz all the time. It was like going in, beat his one, beat his one and one, and, and, and they couldn't do that. Um, and I think that showed that. And they, and they put Dak under so much pressure. Uh, I think if, they, if, if those guys are out, that Dak can go and 
you know, rely on to go up and win a 50-50 or, or, or something like that, then I think they're going to struggle again this weekend because the Raiders aren't, they're no mugs on defence, but, you know, I, I think that could be a problem for them if they don't get the, the, their, their big guys back. It's interesting as well because all six teams that are playing this Thursday night are on a losing streak. Every mm. single one of them comes into this on a losing streak, so it's bounce-back ability point. Um you know, you look at you look at that Bears Lions one as well, and the Lions are on a five game losing streak. Uh, the Lions are technically on a one game losing streak because they managed to get a tie, but they've certainly not been on a winning streak at any point recently. So, you know, you look at that. the The Saints are on a three game losing streak. You've got the Cowboys on a one. And then, you know, you've got find the Raiders. In fact, the Raiders are on a three-game losing streak themselves. The Raiders are, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Raiders are in a horrible place at the moment um, with yeah. the Rugs, Rugs incident and also, you know, um, Gruden early. I think that's all taking its toll in recent weeks. It's got to, it's absolutely yeah. got to have crushed people in there. Uh, the fact that they're still operating and Derek Carr still, you know, what, what do you guys think of Derek Carr this season? Because... I think he's got a bit about him. He used to always get a bit of stick, um, especially the last couple of seasons. You know, I, I I take my hat off to him for you know being a bit of a leader and dealing with it. He's 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 putting himself out there every week and he's trying to make things happen. I I think you've got to give him a bit of credit for that. Would you guys think? Yeah, first, I, we talked yeah, about him being first, like the Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, you know, he's Kirk Cousins like, and that Cousins is just capable. Yeah, and again, you saw against the Packers that Cousins can dice you up. With the right people there, and and you're right, like yeah. the the situation changes in Las Vegas will not be good. Um, the rugs they've lost a weapon on the team. They've got Darren Waller, but beyond that, there's not really anybody. You know, Josh Jacobs feels like he's still carrying his injuries. Definitely not the player that he was when he first broke into the NFL. There's not a lot of talent around him now. I'm stopping short of saying they're bereft of talent. Did that last season, and uh, they did nothing but show me up and make me look like a dick. So I'm not saying that again, but uh, there isn't a lot of talent there. So I I agree. I think Derek Carr is an undervalued player that is very capable. The problem with the the rug situation, aside from the kind of the mental strain that put in the locker room, you mentioned he was the threat. He stretched the field. I mean, he was the fastest player in the league. And because he stretched the field, players were having to account, account for that. Defences were having to account for that. And it gave Derek Carr room to dink and dunk underneath. And they got to five and two. He suddenly disappears off the scene, Rugs, And they, they signed Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's not contributed. And they now are a predictable offence. So you mentioned Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins can be successful when he's got the weapons. If you don't have the weapons, eventually... Doesn't matter how good your team is, you will start to suffer. Look at what happened to Tennessee last week. He's the three prime weapons in that offense gone, and that is one. That is the reason that they lost to Houston, and that's the reason that they will struggle unless they get one of those receivers back. They will continue to struggle offensively. There are very few teams that can continue to churn out results if your best players are going down, and the number of injuries this season across a lot of good teams has been absolutely astonishing. And if you take one key piece out, the rest of the dominoes can start to fall. Yeah. It's interesting. The NFL have just tweeted, right? These boys are slinging it this season as they post a graphic with the top five league leaders when it comes to passing yards. 
amazing, right? Patrick Mahomes is number one, which surprises me, first of all, 3,200. Brady in at second, 3,177. Derek Carr, third, 3,041. Then it's Matt Stafford with 3,014. And Justin Herbert with 2,927. Three out of the top five are in the AFC West. Uh, and it feels like Mahomes, Mahomes surprises me because I feel like Mahomes hasn't been playing well at all. But, you know, a couple of weeks injury for Dak Prescott and a couple of bad games, and he's nowhere in that list at all. Um, there's a lot of talent there. And I think for Derek Carr, if you look at the five names that are listed there as well, Derek Carr has by far the worst receiving core out of those five teams. Mm. And it's not even close. It's not even close. Um, so for him to be in that position does say a lot about the capabilities that he's got uh, as a quarterback. Um, uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what what Vegas do. Do they decide that they want to move on from him? Because that's the kind of thing you do when you've been losing for a while. But... Yeah, he's a good player. He'd be in demand, for sure. Take him in New Orleans in a heartbeat. Remember, Jameis is only on a one-year deal. Jameis, is te- Jameis can be done in New Orleans. He's you know not that. done. He's not done. He's not done thinking. if we've got to do with that. That's wishful no, thinking, if you, Paul. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, so, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, Seriously, if Carr comes on the market, if Mariota comes on the market, if Wilson comes on the market... Saints aren't going to stick with Winston. Yeah. No way. Could be a, a juicy off-season for uh, free agent quarterbacks. The, the one other <laughs> bit of breaking news, incidentally, that's just happened, uh, the Tennessee Titans have got rid of Adrian Peterson already. Clearly was done. Came oh, in to do a role and they went, nah. Uh, they've picked up Golden Tate. So we talked about the, the lack of weapons there and obviously they need wide receiver ex- uh, experience. Julio Jones injured. AJ Brown Injured again. So Golden Tate, a player that we saw as recently the Giants, you know, is still capable uh, and a, another weapon for Tannehill. I wonder who's going to run the ball there, though. And yeah, it's it a shame. Donna Foreman. Donna Foreman is the, the, the avenue they seem to be going. But, yeah. Anybody who saw the touchdown at Wembley, Adrian Peterson, when he ran through the Steelers, that was just a, a thing of absolute joy and beauty. You know, you forget just how good uh, Adrian Peterson was, you know, various, you know, detractions that came upon him quite rightly. But as a running back in his prime, he was pretty special. There's no doubt. That was eight years ago, pretty much. Yeah. Nine years yeah. ago. Sorry. Nine years ago. My maths is terrible. No, I'm right. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. Uh, 2013. <sighs> 2000. Yeah, your math, your maths may be terrible, but your indecision's worse, honestly. <laughs> um, there is some tasty games, though. You know, you do look at Titans Patriots. Eight and three against seven and four, potential implications for the number one seed there. The the Chargers Broncos six and four versus five and five. Rams Packers is a belter, uh, seven and three versus eight and three. Vikings Niners interesting for the wild card position. Two five and five teams. Browns Ravens is really interesting. Um, even the Seahawks Washington just you know Heineke seems to be trending up the way, and Russell Wilson needs to turn things around. So you know we're talking about bounce back ability there. Panthers play the Dolphins, Craig. Um, you going to that confident, or are you worried about Cam Newton? I think you've all... Listen, Cam's played okay. Cam's done all right. He's come in. I'm not a massive Cam fan in general, but um, I think he's... I think, like as all, we want, he's good for the league. He's good to have in. He's good He's good value. Um, and, and he's come back in, and he's actually been better than I thought he was going to be because in New England last season um, didn't do much at all. Didn't do much. He, you know, he had a few runs that you expect from him, but he actually looks fitter. He looks faster. He looks leaner. I think he's been working hard. 
which he, you got to, you got to say. And, and all the sound, all the noises that are coming out from the Panthers are saying that he's um, you know, he's a leader. He's right in there. He's, he's getting the guys going, and you can see the reaction that he's had. Um, I think they'll continue to use him the way they're using him. Though I don't think you know they'll, they'll probably use him for for, for uh, sparingly until he's really into the offense. Um, but you know, listen, we, we we're on three in the bounds. I don't. I think it's a, a a winnable game. I think it is a winnable game for the Dolphins. Um, but it, it, it's you know Christian McCaffrey's not turned up yet. He's, he's come back, and you're just waiting him uh, for him to explode again. Maybe he was just getting getting himself back into that and uh, you're thinking you, you don't want that happening because he's a he's a threat and if you if you put him in and you've got Cam then you've got two two guys that are, you, you do the run pass option you've actually got two runners and you're actually going to, you, you might struggle to stop that I've got to ask you this because this has been the on and off storyline we're in Miami all season um, not just about Tua but as a Dolphins fan would you want to even countenance the possibility of Deshaun Watson no, in Miami. Uh, not at all. And what happens if they went down that route? Because uh, that's the chat in the off-season. That's, that's horrendous. It, you know, I, I think if, you, if you, you're thinking about that, listen, I understand why they're thinking about it. But I think doing, I think the whole way they've handled two in general has been shocking. Mm. Uh, listen, he is what he is. You can see, see what he is. He, 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 come, he, he, he made a few good throws against the Jets at the weekend, some really good ones. But when he does throw a pick or when he does throw an interception, it's, it's always a, a really bad one. I mean, he threw in, I think it, I think when you see the one on, at the weekend, it was triple coverage. Um, it gets, you know, but saying that, he stepped in, he stepped up into the pocket, had the wee run and then and, and, he, and he let one go. I think it was down to uh, Mark Bollins for a, for a touchdown. Um, and so you see glimpses of it, but I think the whole, the way that he's been... Handled and by the way, I love Brian. I, I, I've got I, I really like Brian Flores, but it was a strange one last season with the whole Fitzpatrick, the way the way it happened. It, it brought you. I, I'd have probably liked to see Chua sit for most of the season until until there was no way of a playoff um, spot, and then bring him in. Then I think the way they did it last season, it wasn't good because they brought him in, ended up benching him probably didn't do much for his confidence. And then I think you see him, you know, he's under a new offensive coordinator team. Um, I think Chan Gailey last season worked with Fitzpatrick before and, and you could see there was a wee bit of a, it was more of a, the offence looked more fluid. I think when Chua went in, it was a wee bit, you know, you could see he was just learning it. Um, but listen, it's a game that, I think the more you see of him, see Chua, he's getting a little bit more confident. I don't know what his ceiling is. I think we'll need to wait and see, but I don't like the way it's all been handled. And the Deshaun Watson thing, I hope we don't go down that route. I, I, I hope we don't. What game this weekend then is standing out for you guys as your absolute favourite? What's the one that you're tuning in to see that you think above all else is the game to watch of week? Well, Rams Packers is the game of the week, but I'd actually quite like to see Vikings Niners. I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm not. In any way, shape, or form, I'm going to sit here and say I want to watch the Niners. Um, the Vikings are just so good to watch; they're absolute box office. But um, they're both five and five. Those teams. So this is another absolute. This is a. This is a. I think whoever wins this might well be the number seven seed, and who doesn't is gone. 
because there are five teams in the NFC that you pretty much would say are going to be in, who are the four the four division leaders and the the second team in the NFC West, and the Vikings. When they are good, they are amazing. And if the Niners have just found a bit of momentum, a bit of form, then they've timed it right. But neither team can afford to lose this week because then there's the tiebreaker. And you can see them both finishing nine and seven or nine, 10, and, 10 and seven. Yeah. And one of them misses out because of this game. So this game is absolutely essential to win just as the Rams Packers game is in terms of seeding because both of these teams are almost certainly going to be in the playoffs and if the Rams happen to overtake the Cardinals in the NFC West then Green Bay have got to make sure they win this if Green Bay win this they sweep the NFC West and then they go into the bye and they hopefully get some players fit I I mean I had a list somewhere I don't know where I put it a list of injured Green Bay players it's the entire first pick list Everyone's injured. So if they can get through this game with a win and get to 9-3 and go to the bye, they're in good shape. But if the Rams win, then suddenly you're thinking, hang on, you might be the number four seed or the Vikings are on your tail. So those two games in the 9-25 slot are absolutely pivotal for the NFC seedings. Well, with respect to my honourable colleague, he's wrong, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, the, the game of the week is Colts Buccaneers. Because the Colts have gone up, they've rolled the Bills, number one defence. Okay, they played poorly. They go into the home of the Bucks. Let's see what they can do there. I think this is fascinating. Now, remember, the Colts have lost two of their last several games, both in overtime. The Colts could be on a completely different planet at the moment. You know, they recovered from a poor start. This, to me, will tell me whether the Colts are going to be really good or not. You know, it's following up wins. Craig knows this as a, as a professional sportsman. When you get a good win, you've got to follow up. You can't just, you know, stutter and, and live off the back of what you've just done. You know, the Colts could go home. If they lose to the Buccaneers, say, well, at least we beat the Bills. I think this is a big statement game for them. If they can take the Bucks, they're really going to be a team to watch. I like the, um, I like the Jaguars Falcons. <laughs> oh, God, I, I nearly spat my juice out there. Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> get, get it in the bin. My, my it's not even Falcons. on Game Pass. Honestly, my wife's, my wife's a Falcons fan. Um, oh. so she's, uh, she's, she's going for it. I mean, Dolphins and Falcons in this household is, is tough, man. <laughs> um, Saints and Steelers in this house. I, I she, feel your pain. She, She's kind of, she's kind of. I've seen her switching over to the Chiefs, and I think, I think she just loves my homes. To be fair, who doesn't? But um, no, this weekend, I, I, I don't. I'm looking at it myself. I love the Packers, Rams. Always love watching. You know, I think the Rams have kind of. They they need to show what they're all about now. You know, they need. It's time for them to. You know, really, are they are they going to be the team that we thought they were going to be four or five weeks ago because they were flying? Um, and, and I think, but I, I'm looking at Ravens Browns game. That's going to be interesting. Um, you know, what happens? Baker Mayfield is, you know, I, I don't think he's having a great, he's not having a good season. He's banged he's up. Rotten. He, he's rotten. He's banged up and he's absolutely having one. So I don't know what's going to happen in that. I don't know if he'll play. Um, and if he does, and the Ravens, you know, the Ravens could have a field day, I think. Mm. Um, and if that happens, the Browns are. I, th- I think, you know, Baker could be struggling as well this season. I think he may be one that's... Um, I don't know what the cap hit's going to be for next season or anything like that, but I think that he's um, 
he's playing for his job isn't he yeah he's totally he's playing for his job but the thing is with Baker that that doesn't go for him because you see him he's one of these quarterbacks that's a bit skittish in the pocket anyway when he's then trying to force things it gets worse as you've seen Um, Ravens can you know they'll they'll probably be dialing up some you know some some blitzes on him if they know he's hurt probably but um, no he's he's, he's struggling at the moment but you know I could watch Lamar Jackson every every week he's he's brilliant and I think he'll um, think he'll go and have a big a big game at the weekend for me I think the one I'm most interested in is the Patriots Titans um not most interested but I'm definitely very interested in this Uh, and for me it's about finding out whether the Patriots are legitimate uh, or not uh they seem to be they seem to be very much back and it feels like full Bill Belichick time um, the defense definitely. I think they'll win that. Yeah, I think the defense have been tremendous yeah. for the Titans. They've got to bounce back, uh, and and they are missing weapons. But you look at the Patriots games recently, right? They had the twenty-five nil victory over the Falcons. Fine, uh, they were good in that. It was predominantly the defense more than anything. And the Falcons were rotten. Week before, they absolutely blew out the Browns. Uh, you know, a really bad game. Baker injured. There, no Nick Chubb. A good time to face the Browns, that's for sure. The week before that, they beat the Panthers. Sam Darnold, obviously, we've not seen him again since. Other than that, you know, they beat the Chargers by three. They they blew out the Jets, fine, whatever. Um, they lost to the Cowboys. They only beat the Texans by three points in October. Um, you know, they were narrow against the Bucks. We're moving back into September. They got pretty much easily beaten by the Saints. Again, they beat the Jets. Uh, they lost to the Dolphins in the opening week. The next four, in fact, the next six games for the, the Patriots, and there's only one gimme in that, I would say. They've got to play the Titans, the Bills twice, the Colts, the Dolphins again, and the Jacksonville Jacks. But, you know, they face the Titans, the Bills, then the Colts, then the Bills again. That's a tough run of four games, uh, and we're going to find out a lot about them. I think through that four, we're going to know if the Patriots are a legitimate postseason contender or not. I think they're making it. They're making their postseason, but will they be a contender? Don't know. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they come into that game against the Titans, but also how the Titans try and bounce back from that game against the, the Texans. Mike Vrabel, of course, uh, there's a history there with the Patriots. Um, so that should make it really interesting as well. So I, I think that's quite a tasty tie to keep an eye on as well. Probably the worst game, it's probably the game you didn't want to be playing next if you're the Titans, you know, mm. going to the Patriots. I'll be honest, it's like... We just come off of that. We want to get right, and you're going and you're going to get up against Bill Belichick and the Patriots that are actually probably, and in fact, I think they're the most consistent team in the NFL now. They look the most balanced. Been loving Mac Jones, but I just think the way they're playing, it's you know, and I think they get a wee bit. You know, people talk about the Patriots, and they, they, they kind of think they're a wee bit born, but you know, they always come up with a wee trick play in a game as well, which. I think the, the opposition don't think they're going to do it as well, and, and I always like that about them. Um, but That's good Mac coaching, Jones, though, isn't it? That's all about coach. good coaching. And, and you see the way Mac Jones is just into that offense. It's just like it's like he's been playing there for years. I um, if you've been listening over the last couple of years, Craig, I have this long-running theory that Brady is the greatest game manager of all time. Um, and that Belichick is the one who produced the magic in in New England, and certain people vociferously argue against this. But last year, Belichick was kind of left in a little bit of a sticky situation, and I think he made the most of it with Cam Newton as much as he could, um, and the pieces he had around. And they've gone out and they spent all this money in the you know in the summer in terms of the free agencies, and 
Mac Jones fell into their lap and he has created a system which is exactly the way that New England were around about 2001, 2002 when Brady comes in and essentially game manages them to three Super Bowls in four years. And I would not rule out the New England Patriots getting all the way to the championship game because it's simplistic football. It's great defence. It's structured. It's disciplined. And Mac Jones is not going to make, he's not going to be asked to throw down the field. He's asking to be made, to, to, to make throws that he has to make. And that is what Brady did. Brady didn't start th- making throws until about 2007 when Randy Moss came on the scene. So I can totally see the, the Patriots going all the way because it's great coaching. It's structured game planning of the highest caliber. And that's why Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. I'll give you that. I mean, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think when you go and look at last season, the, the, he wasn't left for much and I don't think the yeah, COVID, I think a couple, a couple of players that were big players for them also um, you know chose not to play um, as well um, and I just I just like the fact that you know Belichick sort of he took, he took the hit that last season and now you can see him really hitting his stride again with someone um, that he trusts someone that is really made they're made for each other at the moment that's what I think Um and it's great to watch, actually. Um, any other news items to touch on before we wrap up? We do need to pick our winners still. Paul? Yeah, two, two, two very, very quickly. One, uh, a late ball bag nomination for WFAN New York, whose feed I managed to get of the Bucks giants game last night. Got all comfy, settled down, head on the pillow, earpiece in, and the damn thing cut out because they realised they were streaming it and they shouldn't have been. Uh, a, a belter of the week, a late belter of the week, a nomination, Mike Zimmer, the coach of the Minnesota Vikings. If you've not spotted this story, he's allegedly dating a Maxim model from Australia um, who says she he's just lovely. Um, not mentioning the age gap or anything like that, but uh, well, well played to Mike Zimmer. I've got one thing I need to mention is, uh, and this is, I don't know whether this is a ball bag nomination or a belter or just, I'm just confused. Um, Michael Strahan's going into space. And <laughs> it made me think, which current player would you want to send into space and why? Now, Aaron Rodgers already is in space, so he doesn't count. <laughs> He's going up on Jeff Bezos' flight. I don't know why. Um, but it just made me think, yeah, there's quite a few players I would quite happily put on a rocket and never see again. So if he's in space, I, I bet Sam Darnold still couldn't find him. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, hey. God. Yeah. Quality. Was that, that a set of you two? Did you plan that? <laughs> um, it's a, do you know what? An interesting, if I could send one player into space, who am I sending into space? Jamal Adams, I'm going to stick with my Seahawks thing because I think he's, you know, yeah, he he's a rocket at the best of times, so he can go up there himself. Um, yeah, I'd get rid of Jamal Adams. I'm sick of his nonsense. Him over-celebrating when a player near him doesn't make a catch and he somehow claims credit for it. Yeah, Pfft. rocket, to you. Um, that'll do me. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, we need to pick winners. So... Uh, Craig, as our guest, you can pick the winner of the Loch Lomond single malt whiskey and two tumblers. I need a number between 1 and 53 from you, please. My number that I used to play, number 8. Number 8. Okay, 
Number eight, eight congratulations to Mark Pankhurst. Uh, you are the winner of the Loch Lomond Single Malt Whiskey, the NFL Scotland Podcast Edition, and the two tumblers to go with it. Um, Parson, you can have the ball back this week. I, in fact, I gave you the last time you were on, but it, it just seems fitting. So, uh, number between 1 and 53 from you, please. Not getting personal. Right. No, uh, right, I'm going to choose um, the number of players that are on the injury report of the Green Bay Packers, which is 46. <laughs> <laughs> 46, Cameron Christie. Congratulations, Cameron. You have won a pair of ball bags underwear. Uh, we'll be in touch uh, to sort out those prizes for you. The last thing that we need to do is just give our weekly update on the Bonnie Sauce Company NFL Scotland podcast pick king or queen of 2021. So up at the top with 110 correct picks so far. Dumfries Demons out on their own in at number two, standing there one pick behind Jerry Bowlers, a previous winner. He won the competition the second time we did it. We've then got Dave Pearson, 1874, with 108. And then we've got two tied on fourth, Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants and Doer's Picks. Then a bunch of people in tied six. We've got Bruins of Midlothian Skull, Wake Me When September Comes, Field of Fields of Dreams and Paul Grant 17's picks. So congratulations to all these folk. There are our hot hands in the pick'em competition. Plenty of time still to come back uh, and get yourself in the mix. I have completely disappeared off the radar. A couple of absolute stinkers. So I, I will not be talking about myself anytime soon in this list. But um, yeah, thank you to... Loch Lomond Whiskies, thank you to Bob Ags and thank you to the Bonnie Sauce Company for taking part uh, and sponsoring all of these events. Um, it's absolutely brilliant to have these great prizes to give away. Please do keep uh, taking part in the nominations uh, and sharing your thoughts. But that's a full-time whistle for episode 171. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Share your thoughts on this and every episode at Scotland NFL on Twitter or search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Yeah, it's been another fun episode. It's been great to welcome a new guest. Craig Easton joined us. Craig, thank you very much. We'll have you back in the near future. Charles Patterson, well, we're obligated under contract to have him back in the near future, so we will be as well. Enjoy all the games this weekend. Enjoy the Thanksgiving football. Start it off with the Bears-Lions. You can't go wrong. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.